same passage. Come out of Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 6. I'm going to read it over you as we get ready to dive into his word this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, and amen. Uh, if you ever realize, we're gonna be we're gonna be there in Psalm one, and then, but before we get there, we're gonna be. Uh, in Second Timothy uh, chapter three, and as, as you're kind of making your way to there, uh, last week uh, we we did some some heavy lifting. I don't know if if you were as prepared to do some heavy lifting as we did, but uh, or if you were sore during the week uh, because of it. But but we did some heavy lifting as we were praying through and and asking some uh, really important questions as it comes to the people. That, that prayerfully we're becoming uh, here at Merge as, as a gospel-centered, biblical community. And, and I expressed uh, during that time a desire uh, for us to arrive at uh, this time next year uh, simply with a deeper appreciation for Jesus. That, 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 that we would have a deeper appreciation for our identity in Jesus, that the freedom that comes because of who He is, that, that, that we would be a people uh, that, that who understand the gift of Jesus and that, that that awareness, that simple awareness of who I am in Jesus would permeate really all of our desires. And, and, and I made a statement, and I want to make sure, because uh, I still stand behind it, but I, I want to make sure you hear my heart. Uh, I said uh, one of the things that, that I pray would happen for us as a church is that, that we would grow up in our pursuit of the Father's heart. Uh, and, and that we wouldn't, we wouldn't mess around, we wouldn't treat life with God as, as a compartment, uh, as if we had many compartments in our lives. That, that that's not like, oh yeah, I'm also this, and oh yeah, I'm also this, but I'm, oh yeah, I'm also a child of God, that, that, that he would be not the top of a priority list, but that he would be the center of it. And everything that we do flows out of that relationship that, that we share with him. And, and I think one of the, uh, the fruits that come from a growing heart of faith is, is a desire to tell people about what God has done for us in Jesus. Uh, that that it's, it's not super complicated. And, and, and I think it really should become the anthem of those who have been redeemed. And, and, and what I said last week that I want to make sure you hear my heart is, is that 
we don't hear enough of those stories around here. Uh, we, we don't hear enough about stories where, where you're like, hey man, my, my neighbor or my coworker or my relative, you know, I was talking to them about Jesus and they gave their hearts to him. Uh, we don't hear that. And so, so, and I don't say that to guilt you, um, because we, we literally are in this together. I, I say this to encourage you and to provoke you in love and, and good deeds, because uh, that, now that being said, uh, what, what I hope to accomplish over these next few weeks uh, is to help better equip you and grow in a faith that is fruitful and, again, the major fruit coming out of our lives being are people seeing their need for Jesus through my life. In my actions, in my words, do people understand that the most important decision they will ever make is giving their hearts to Jesus as both Savior and Lord? And, and so, so what we're going to do these next four weeks, and I'm excited about, uh, I don't know if you, if you really want to know as much of a pastor dork that I am, uh, I'm very excited about where we're going to be on Sundays uh, for the next year, uh, in 2022. Uh, we're going to spend about four weeks in this series, uh, and then we'll jump back into uh, Luke chapter 9, which I think is going to take us uh, a couple months, and then uh, we'll talk about some merge values, and then we'll jump back into Luke chapters 10 and 11, uh, and then we'll uh, talk in the, that will take us almost all the way to September. Uh, and then September, we're going to be in Philippians for the whole fall. I hope you, you go ahead and read it, you know, and then forget it so that when we come back, you're like, oh, this is brand new to me, right? No, um, but we'll be in Philippians. And then so, so you're like, oh, how far are we going to make it in Luke this year? Uh, about three chapters. Uh, but don't worry. It'll take us about six months to get through those three chapters, I think. So, uh, but, but where we're going to be, I don't know why I told you all of that, uh, to tell you where we're going to be these next four weeks uh, is, is we're going to talk about four areas that are vital if we want to be healthy and we want to adventure with God. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the model we're going to follow is basically going to be the same each week. I'm going to talk to you about the importance of this area, and then I'm going to talk to you about how practically you can be applying this area in your life. And, and I want to share our time talking about the importance of that. And so, so over the next few weeks, we're going to cover how our relationship with, with the Word affects how our faith grows. And then we're going to talk about how, our, how prayer affects how our faith grows. And then uh, our relationship with service. And then finally, we'll talk about worship. But not worship as in regards to necessarily what we're doing here, but with our, with our hearts and, and with our lives. And, and so again, uh, what, what I hope we're able to do is, is be better equipped really for each practice, uh, because we don't become good at anything without putting in the effort and without developing the discipline or really without going to practice. And so uh, what I hope we're doing here is, is that we leave here better equipped uh, for each of these practices so that we can grow deeper in our affections for Jesus and we can adventure with God more readily. Okay, so, so we start here this morning uh, with our relationship with the Word uh, because it is of extreme importance. And you're like, okay, so basically, Brandon, what you're going to tell me is that I should be reading this book more often. Uh, and if that's what you hear me say today, that's only in part. Uh, because, because we start here with the Word of God because 
Without it, we would be clueless in regards to our relationship with Him. Uh, in fact, uh, with, without these pages, we would be kind of like children vying for the affection of our parent, but never really knowing if, if what we're doing is working or not. Uh, and some of you are like, man, you just nailed my relationship with my mom and my dad, right? And so, so, so we, when we get to this word, we understand how it is important because it teaches us and it reveals to us how we are to please God, how we are to be restored to Him, that, that God speaks to us and, and He reveals to us a path of, of redemption and growth and a path that at the end of the day pleases Him. And, and so, so, so during this time of year, what happens is, is many of us start on a journey that we perhaps we've started it in years past, right? We're like, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Right. And so so we'll go. Uh, basically, if you read three chapters a day, you get through the Bible in a year. So someone says, hey, that's a good model. I'll read three chapters. And and some of you, if you're like me, it's, it's really hard to skip around in a book. So you'll start in Genesis. Right. Because who doesn't start a new year in a new book? Right. And so you'll start in Genesis. And and right now at this point, uh, we're nine days into the new year. And so you're like, all right, man, this is good. I'm rocking and I'm rolling and, and I'm, I'm reading probably about Abraham or, or maybe I've made it to Joseph right now and, and things are good until about mid-February. Uh, and we've, we've kind of made it through uh, Genesis and we've, we've caught the tail end of Exodus and, and we're going to arrive at a book called Leviticus, uh, which just sounds hard, right? Uh, and then, and then that's not when the train leaves the station. That's when the the train leaves the rails, uh, and and it departs, and we bog down, and we're like, ah, oh, this is this is hard to read, forgetting the fact that there's there's the, the heart of God being poured out in Leviticus. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, but but that's typically where we bog down and we slow down, and then we we say, well, we can always try again next year because again. Life change only happens at the turn of the calendar. That's for real. That's the way it works. Um, and so, so we're left with this, this spot where we're like, okay, how do I learn to appreciate the Word? And, and so, so again, typically what happens is we, we get to this point where we're, we're out here in about mid-February. And when this happens, we ignore really the great meaning of why these pages have been gifted to us. And that's what they are. Uh, the Word of God is a gift to the heart of all believers. Uh, because, because the Bible is not given simply to inform us on matters that, that have happened or, or will happen. Uh, in fact, I, I read a quote just recently by uh, Pastor Paul Tripp. And he says this, he says, the, the Bible is a life book given for life purposes so that the creatures to whom it was given would look for life in the only place that life can be found. Uh, in, fact, in fact, the Bible is essentially a grand redemptive story. It's, it's a narrative and it is the sweeping story of God's plan uh, and his purpose of redemption accompanied by God's essential explanatory and applicatory notes. And, and so, so in short, what the Bible is, and I don't know if you, if you have much of a relationship with it, but in short, all the Bible is, is God's 
heart put on page so that we would know his great and enduring love for us. That, that's how, what we get in every page, even in, even in the Leviticus. We get God's heart put on page for us. That we get his, and, and this is where I think typically we run into issue, uh, it's where we get his law. Uh, which is his instruction, and it's for our benefit, and it's for his glory. And, and so, so, so how do we know this, right? How do we know that the Bible is God's heart, and God's heart being for us? And, and, and we don't have to go far. In fact, the Bible teaches that, hey, this is the intention of the Bible. Uh, in fact, we can go to a lot of places, but we're going to only focus on two today because of our, our time. So we're going to go Second Timothy. And then we're going to go uh, Psalm number one, and we're going to talk just a couple verses in there. All right. So, so in Second Timothy, what we find are the specific reasons why God has given us His Word, and He simply says this, uh, if I can find it, verse sixteen, chapter three, uh, verse sixteen. It says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. In righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. For every good work. Now, why are we starting here? We start here because it's really one of the most clear explanations for why God has gifted us with his word. That, that all scripture, alright? So every page, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right? So, so, so God's desire is that you would know his heart. God's desire is you would know his mind so that you're not left wondering aimlessly, guessing what you should do and who you could be. Right? He, puts it, he puts it out there for you. And then it says that it's profitable. Okay? So, so God breathes the scriptures and it's profitable for us. This is for our benefit that we profit from the word of God being active in our lives. Now here's the thing. There are times we will read the word of God where we won't feel that it's to our profit. And anytime, anytime we get to that point, I promise you the fault is in your heart, not the words on the page. Because sometimes, right, and we, we kind of use this, I'm just going to keep using this illustration until it just is dead, right? It's not healthy for us to eat ice cream every single meal. It's not. Now, it might taste good, but eventually the long-term effects of that will lead you to a place that is unhealthy. And so when we get to the Word, uh, there are times when you say, man, that's, that's hard. Or if we're honest, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound like fun, but yet it's still for our benefit. And why? Because God says, hey, Every word that I give you here is for your profit. It's for your profit. And then, then he tells us these, these four areas of, of what the word does as it relate, as it interacts with our hearts. It says it's given to us for teaching. Right? So, so this is the standard for the lens through which we should see the world. That's what it is. It's to teach us 
what God has thought and what God has said. That the Bible teaches us who God is, who we are, what our lives were designed to be, what is, what is true, what is not, why we do the things that we do. It teaches us how change takes place, what in the world has gone wrong, and, and how in the world it'll ever get corrected. And that's what the Bible does for us. It's given to us to teach us. But it's also given for reproof, uh, which is really just the process of being compared to the standard and in some way found lacking. Uh, that the Word reflects our lives to God's standard and then it clues us in on, on what we are meant to do with the truth that's revealed. That it, that it says, hey, you're not there yet. Uh, but you can be. And as you trust in Jesus, as you grow in Christ, uh, you, you become more and more and more of an image bearer. Uh, and then it's given for, for correction, right? And so this correction, it, it closes the gap between where I am and where God wants me to be. The, the Bible reveals parts of my heart that need further sanctification. Uh, sanctification is just a really fancy word for saying how I grow up in Christ, right? So, so the Bible is given to correct me, but not to bring me to shame, but to bring me to deliberation, bring me to joy, and then, and then for training in righteousness. Uh, this, is, this is faithfully putting God's standard into practice, and, and we train, we train so that when we have the opportunity to put those skills into practice, we're better able to succeed. That's how we get healthier. That's how we get stronger. If you go to a gym, you get that, right? Uh, if you're training to run uh, in a 5K or a 10K, you get, you get it's, it's not a good idea to sit on your couch all year and then wake up that Saturday morning and be like, you know, I think I'm going to hit a PR today, right? It doesn't work like that. So you show up and you do the hard work in training so that when battle comes, you're not bleeding as much. And so, so the Bible is given for, for teaching and for reproof and for correction and, and for training in righteousness. And then he says that the man of God may be complete, may be equipped for every good work. So, so here we go. Paul tells us that God has gifted us with his word because his desire is that we would be able to experience completeness and we would be equipped because he has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible teaches us how to live in the light because it's easy to live in the dark. It is. Like, like the dark will always be 50,000 times more comfortable to live in. But it will also be 50,000 times more painful. But God says, hey, I'm gifting you these words so that we can live in the light. And it's amazing to me. And I hear my heart when I say this. It's amazing to me to consider how such a distinct explanation of the role of the word in our lives. It's amazing how laxed we are when it comes to the amount of time we're willing to spend here. Right? Here's the thing. Like, like, it's really easy for you to walk away today and be like, hey, what do they talk about? I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. Right? It's fascinating 
how that works, how, how frequently we take for granted the incredible freedoms we have if we will just simply open this book and have God, God's heart spilled out on every page. And this is, this is why Psalm 1 is important to us. I love Psalm 1. In fact, uh, there's three psalms that come to mind. Uh, we're gonna, my voice is going to have to make it through this morning, Mark. Okay? I've, de- I've determined that. So, um, but there's three psalms that, that come to mind that, that are really uh, helpful when it comes to the, the, our relationship with the Word. You got Psalm 1, you got Psalm 19, and then you got Psalm 119, right? Uh, the way I remember it is 1 plus 19 is 119, right? That's, that's good Azel math for you people. Uh, 119, 119, and each one of them are, 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 speak largely about the Word, but, but one is so important to us because it reveals why at times um, we, we are not motivated to, to spend time in the Word. In fact, it has, uh, and it really that has much less to do with your argument that, well, I'm just not a reader, uh, or, uh, or, or um, you know, I wish there was more action scenes, uh, or I wish there was more romance in the Bible. Realizing this, the Bible was not given to you for entertainment purposes, right? Uh, which, again, maybe that paradigm shift will be helpful to you, uh, that, that this isn't given to you to, to be uh, put on a big screen, uh, to watch because it's not given to us to entertain us. It's given to us to reveal to us the heart of the Father and then secondly, to lead us into holiness. And so, so when we get to Psalm uh, 1, we, we can remember this imagery of, of verses 2 and 3 where it says, but his delight, right? The question is, how are we blessed? And he says this in verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law... He meditates day and night. And then we get this imagery, and I I love this imagery because this is God saying, hey, if you do this, this is what happens. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So now, our struggle, in my opinion, is, is that we don't delight in the Word because we're not delighting in God near enough. That, and again, that might be too harsh on a Sunday morning, but I think that's, 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 that's the heart of our issue. We don't delight in the Word because we don't delight in God near enough. We don't delight in God near enough because we don't think of Him uh, day and night as we should. We don't. Again, that... It's, it's the difference between him being the center of all and him being the priority list of our lives. Right? So, so we say, well, what's, what's the most important thing? Well, we're like, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so God's first, family, friends, work, right? Now, the problem with, with that kind of a list is when do you complete one to move on to the other? Right? When, when do you say, okay, God, uh, I've given you enough of my attention. I can check you off today. Now I can devote myself to being the husband and the father. Okay, now, kids, sorry, I've given you all that I can today. I've checked you off. Now I can avert, divert my attention to my friends. It doesn't, doesn't work that way because God says, hey, I'm the center of it all. 
And so your relationship, what, how you relate to me will affect how you relate to everybody else. And so we get to this, and, and we get to this imagery of like, hey, you are a tree that is planted by a stream. And this stream is living water. It never dries out. And your proximity to the river, your proximity to the stream, feeds and fuels the fruit that's coming out of your life. What a, what a beautiful picture. It says that so when, you, when it is season, when it is time, your fruit can be productive and beneficial to those you are around. And then it says, your leaves don't wither. So you don't have a season where you're parched. Paul, Paul Tripp will also say, your, your, your thoughts will precede and determine your activity. Right? So, so, so you don't do what you do because of what you are experiencing at the moment. You, know, you, you do what you do because of the way you have thought about and interpreted what you're experiencing. So blessed is the man who looks and meditates on the law or the instruction or the word of God day and night because the more he looks at that, the more it permeates through the rest of his life. So, so we don't delight in the Word of God, uh, His instructions, because we aren't willing to gaze long enough and see how life-giving His Word is to us. And you, Now, the argument here is, well, okay, so if, I, if you're telling me, do, what's the number of chapters, right? How long do I have to read uh, each day? Right? Is it, is it 12 chapters? I'll do that, man. And there are times that reading 12 chapters can be beneficial, and there are times that reading one verse can be the most beneficial thing for you. Right? So, so this isn't about quantity. It really is. Thank you, Bubba. Uh, it really is about quantity. Like, am I spending time in the Word, and am I asking God to speak to me? And then secondly... As he speaks, am I willing to put what he says into practice? Right? So, so, so the argument isn't, hey, is, is it three chapters a day? Because there, there have been times in my walk where, where three chapters a day, that was the pursuit. Because I got to see the context of the full narrative. And then there have been times, it was a couple years ago, all I did the whole year was just read the book of Romans. And just live there for a year. And then there are times that I just spend a couple of months in the Psalms. And there are times that, that right now I am walking so slowly through 1 Timothy. And so it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of time. And again, I, I wonder sometimes if we don't delight in the Word is because we're not gazing enough into who God is. And this is, this is really just... If you're new to Merge, let me just tell you, uh, all of our cards on the table, this is what we want to do. We want to encourage you to look at Jesus. And we believe the longer you look at him, the longer, the easier it is to fall in love with him. And so one of the ways we do that is through our relationship with the word. I love the imagery of verse 3. Because a tree by the water is always fed. 
And because it's always being fed, it's always fruitful. And so our delight in the Word is fed by the time we spend in the Word. So in these seasons, if you find yourself saying, I feel spiritually dry. I feel as if I'm a million miles away. I promise you, more times than not, it's because we don't have a connection to the Word of God. We are literally a tree in a desert with no access to water. And it's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Psalm 19. I'll just read a couple of these verses to you. Psalmist says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired, more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There's great reward. There's great reward. That's why we can start wrapping this up. And you're like, oh my gosh, we haven't even gotten to the talk notes yet. That was all my introduction. Um, no, I'm just joking. Um, so, so, so I have, I have a pastor friend uh, who I am, I am so grateful for. Uh, one, of, one of his unique adventures in the role of God uh, is that, in the adventures of God, I should say, is he serves pastors by, by providing some coaching in regards to how we communicate. Uh, and so this process, he called me a couple months ago, said, hey man, I'd love to, uh, to sit down with you and maybe do some coaching on how you communicate, uh, and, uh, and which was a really awkward beginning of a conversation, but you always want to be coachable, and so I prayed about it, and I was like, yes, I'd love to, to hear your insights, and, uh, and, and, and what that's kind of morphed into over the last couple months is, is more, we talk communication, but really we talk about uh, pastoring, and we talk about the role of, from the pulpit, and, and again, I'm, I'm so thankful for him. Uh, but, but a couple of months ago, we were talking specifically about the Bible. And, and he made a statement that really stuck with me. He said, he said, you know, a lot of the times pastors will get up and, and will talk about the importance of reading the Bible. And really, the message is really short. Hey, you should read the Bible. And that's pretty much it. Why? It's important. And he says, rarely do we spend the time to say, hey, how do we read that Bible. And so I told you, we're going to talk about the importance, then we're going to talk about the application, like how we can do that. And in that conversation, he gave me this acronym uh, that sounds silly, uh, but it's really helpful. Uh, The acronym is simply Space Pets, right? Uh, And we're going to figure out a way to make this biblical. I don't think you can. It's really just Space Pets. Um, But it's a way that as we read our Bible, it's just some simple questions to be asking as you respond to to what you're reading now now not every time will each letter come into play uh, but asking the question reveals if it does or not and so so i thought i would just kind of quickly quickly give that to you and i I love i love this setup right so so as i read my bible the first place we start is is there a sin i need to confess right 
So the Bible is given for teaching and reproof and correction and uh, equipping. Right? Is there a sin I need to confess? There are times that's really easy to see. Right? It's, it's hard when the Holy Spirit exposes you on the pages of a book that was written thousands of years ago. But is there a sin I need to confess? And then if so, am I willing to confess that? P, is there a promise I need to claim? Again, so often our struggle in, in, in our walk is that we simply don't understand the fullness of the love of God. We don't understand the identity change that happens when our hearts are His. So is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a promise I need to claim? Is there an attitude I need to change? Is there an attitude I need to change? I mean, I, I, it's so easy to make fun of the Israelites in the Old Testament. But it is so easy to be exposed by them, by their very same actions. Is there an attitude that needs to change? Is there a command I need to obey? Obey. Not, not is there a command I need to debate. Is there a command I need to shift to where I can justify just willful disobedience? No, is there a command that God says, hey, I want you to do this? And we say, yes, Lord. Now what? I'll tell you, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Is that, that's a command. Are we willing to put that into practice? Is there a sin I need to confess? A promise I need to claim? An attitude I need to change? A command I need to obey? Is there an example I need to follow? I need to follow. I remember when, when we were growing up, I, I'm sure you, some of you guys did this, you were playing sandlot baseball or, or sandlot football. Uh, rarely did you walk in and rarely did I ever walk up and be like, I'm Brandon Geary today. No, what you say is I'm, you know, this is dates us. I, I'm Joe Montana. I'm Troy Aikman. I'm Michael Irvin. I'm Deion Sanders, right? You're shooting baskets. You know, nobody ever walks in like, you're welcome, guys. Brandon Geary here. No, you're playing games. You're You're Jordan. Uh, I, I was Stockton and Steve Kerr because I thought those dudes were awesome. Um, right? Some of you basketball people who love Jesus get me. Right? And the other, whatever. You're just me. But you watch those people. And you emulate them. And, and you follow the model of their shooting form or their throwing form or whatever that be. So is there an example as we read the word? Is there an example to follow? Because much of the time we'll find ways, we'll find things we should do, and we'll find things we should avoid. Then we get to the pet section. Is there a prayer I need to pray? Man, we covered four huge ones last week. Right? It's, it's okay. It's okay to, to rip off the prayers from the Bible. 
right? There have been, there have been great pastors through, through our history. But if you just go back and just read some of their prayers, some of Luther's prayers are, are some of the most penetrating ones I've ever read. Uh, but it's okay to, to look at those and say, that's a prayer I need to put into my life. That's a prayer I need to pray over my congregation. That's a prayer I need to pray over my friendships. So is there a sin I need to confess, a promise I need to claim, an attitude I need to change, a command I need to obey, an example I need to follow, a prayer I need to pray, an error I need to avoid? What a great gift the word is at times. Because it, it doesn't expose just circumstances. It, it exposes the heart. And you can see. I mean, you can talk, not, not the villains of the Bible, but you can walk through the missteps and the sinfulness of people that are put on display and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. I don't want pride to become the issue in my life. I don't want unfaithfulness to be the issue in my life. I don't want distrust to be the issue in my life because I see, I see through the gift of God how it played out there. So is there a prayer I need to pray, an error I need to avoid? Is there a truth I need to know? Is there a truth I need to know? I wonder at times if, if our reluctance to spend as spend intentional time in the Word is because we, we think we can't be theologically smart enough for it. And it's not true. Jesus looks at His disciples and by extension looks, looks out to us and He says, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Counselor is going to come and He's going to teach you and he's going to remind you of things that I have said. We find as we progress through the New Testament, the role of the Holy Spirit is, is so incredibly active. But one of the giftings of it is, is, is when we don't know what to pray, it pray, he prays for us. And so is there a truth I need to know? And as we join prayer and the word together, that is revealed. And then what's amazing is, is how, how active the Word actually is in our lives. It's why you can read, you can read the, the Bible each year for the rest of your life, and every single year it'll lead you to a deeper and deeper appreciation of who God is. Which is why we get to the end here of pets. Is there something I can praise God for? Is there something I can praise God for? And I think I think it's a great way of ending your time in the Word, right? Whether that be the first thing you do in the morning, whether that be what you do in your car, whether that be what you do at the end of the night. Is there something, as I read the Word of God, is there something I can give praise to Him for? And I promise you this, just the fact that He's given you the Word is something to praise Him for. But it is. That at the end of every day, even if it's, if it's a hard uh, set of passages and you're, you're working through it and you're like, God, help, help, at times, help my unbelief. 
At times, God, I want to be willing to do what you're putting into practice. But I promise you this, at the end of it, there's always something to praise God for. If not for his word, but for what his word reveals. That God so loved us that while we were enemies with him, he sent Jesus. When we were at our worst, and let's be honest, it's really easy for us to be at our worst. He sent Christ to die for us. And you say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. I, for a long time, I, I, I debated about the, the merit of the sufficiency of the word. And then in faith, I just said, that's it, man. I'm, I believe this book is inspired by God, and it is the standard of truth for my life. Because without it, I would be clueless on what to do with my sin and how to restore my relationship with Jesus, with God, through Jesus. So my my prayer is that you don't walk out of here hearing me say, hey, you should read your Bible, and then you reluctantly be like, well, I guess I should give this a try. but that we would work with God, that we would walk with God, that we would, we would spend the intentional time of doing the heavy lifting of His Word. So that, as He continues to work in our hearts and in our lives, we would experience the benefit, others would experience the benefit, because everything is leading to the glory of His name. This week, our desire is to love God. Bye. Let me pray for us. And if you need prayer this morning, we want to. There'll be a couple people over on this side of the room. We would love to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, maybe you're like, man, you've just rambled for like 35, 40 minutes on the necessity of the Bible. It's just a dead page to me. I would love to to share with you my story. So if that's you today, come find me. Come find one of the people that are over there. They they equally have a story about what Jesus has done in their lives. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that, that you're moving amongst us. We thank you that you, you speak to us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray.